I don't think I would have survived if I wasn't resilient because sickle cell pain is so intense that it it really just makes you want to just give up. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled and why they're proud to be themselves. Sadia, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? Thank you. I am very well today. Um, I'm enjoying the first week of the new year so far. So hopefully it, this energy continues for the rest of 2024. <laughs> yeah, I felt that as well this week. I feel like I've been super organised. I've drank all the like water I can and like yeah. <laughs> tried to really hit my goals. And I'm just like, yes, it's got to carry on for the rest of the year. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. So... First question that I like to ask every guest that comes on this podcast is, how do you refer to your disability? Um, so I say, so I was born with sickle cell anemia. Mm-hmm. Um, so in trying to describe that to people, it can be a bit difficult because not many people know what it is and what yeah. it's about. So I tend to try and summarize it as it being a genetic blood disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of deal with any follow-up questions from there um yeah yeah, that's about it I don't know (laughs) maybe it's a bit boring but that's kind of like my my answer that I Mm. I give and then depending on you know if people are interested then I'll I'll follow up but I try not to give too much too quickly because then I, Mm -hmm. I think it can be a bit maybe overwhelming for them and also for me maybe so yeah yeah, because I think there's a lot to be said in in keeping like your medical information t- to yourself, and you like everybody is allowed to have that medical autonomy, autonomy, autonomy. That's the word I meant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I like, and I, and I, exp- I think that's a really great way that you explained it that you don't give too much information too too quickly because it can be quite overwhelming. Because if you delve into it, it can it can be quite a lot. But for those who don't know what sickle cell anemia is could you give like a quick whistle-stop tour of what it is actually? Yeah, so for someone who has sickle cell anemia, they have had two parents who are the carriers of the sickle cell trait. Mm -hmm. Um, And so both my parents are carriers, so I have sickle cell anemia. And the way it impacts me is that, um, so typically your red blood cells are circular um, and flexible carries hemoglobin oxygen it goes everywhere in your body and just helps you live your best life basically um for someone with sickle cell their red blood cells are shaped like a sickle hence the name Mm -hmm. um which is like the shape of a banana or a crescent moon so Mm -hmm. they're not fully formed they're hard and rigid um and this causes a number of complications the first one being because you know they're not fully formed they don't have enough um, hemoglobin and oxygen like mm-hmm. attached to them um, so it's like a severe uh, a severe case of anemia basically yeah. and then the second kind of major issue is that again because of their um, rigidness um, they get stuck in blood vessels a lot and when this happens this causes sickle cell crisis which is basically like just intense bouts of pain um can last anything from like a day to like a month or so Mm -hmm. um can be treated at home or can be will need hospital um attention so it really varies um from patient to patient and yeah there are a few triggers as well that people tend Mm -hmm. to have so 
main triggers are around temperature, so being too cold or too hot, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit of a problem if you have ever worked in an office with the AC blasting on you for yeah. like eight hours a day. It can be a bit, a bit of an issue. Um, then there's like exercise. Um, is also can be a trigger, dehydration, um, high altitudes. So there's lots of things that can mm-hmm. trigger a crisis. Um, again, it just varies person by person. This is going to sound like the blondest question ever, but in my head, oxygen, hemoglobin, that is what makes you not tired. And I was wondering, do you get a bit more tired than like average Joe Bloggs because of that? Yeah, definitely. That's also another thing. There's like lots of different things to kind of mm-hmm. keep on top of and tiredness is definitely one of them. Um, recently, actually, I think maybe a couple of months ago, I went through like maybe two or three weeks of feeling just exhausted. Mm-hmm. I had no, I wasn't doing anything particularly out of the ordinary. I just felt so tired every day. Um, yeah. And I think it's hard to explain that to people who don't, like we've all, we all feel tired, but it's hard to explain like, fatigue because it's like another level of tiredness Mm -hmm, um but yeah that's definitely another thing yeah and so with sickle cell I always I always like to talk about childhood particularly particularly if you're a disabled child because it's always different for everyone but then there are a lot of similarities as well but were you diagnosed as a child and then in turn how did that affect your childhood yeah, so because it's genetic, it's something that you're born with, but mm-hmm. um, diagnosis didn't come until I was three. So I guess for me, I've always had it. I've never really like known my like my earliest memories of me yeah. like in hospital and stuff. So I've never really like known a life without it. So um, I think as I've gotten gotten older, I've understood what it means to have sickle cell and what Mm -hmm. it means to have this genetic condition this chronic illness invisible condition in relation to work relationships Mm -hmm. friendships and things like that that I don't think I necessarily understood as a child um so as a child of course like I was always in and out of hospital but that seemed normal for me um and I didn't really understand that it wasn't um So, yeah, I think it maybe impacted my teenage years the most Mm -hmm. in sort of like realizing, oh, actually, this is going to be something I have for life and it's going to impact every aspect of that life. You know, if Mm -hmm. I choose to have children or if I want to get married or whatever. So, yeah, I think you kind of when I talk to other people with sickle cell, we kind of say that we had like the first diagnosis when we were younger and then the second diagnosis when we became a lot more aware and that kind of like impacted on mental health. So yeah, yeah I'd say that's. And that's a, like a really interesting thing to happen because as you said, like when when you're younger, you don't necessarily realise how it's going to impact you for the rest of your life. And, and as you've gotten older and you become a bit more wiser about how the world works and how life works, you get this like second almost re-diagnosis because now you realise that, this thing isn't going anywhere um and the only way to like go through it is just is just to go through it because there is no answer and that like particularly around your teenagers must have been quite like an experience because obviously they're such formative years do you think looking back that what like like, when you look back at it does it make you mad or are you are you happy that you kind of you had those years to almost almost like not panic but like look at your life and almost be like okay this is how we can navigate through this 
or we take this path which is completely different yeah I think it made me a little mad and Mm -hmm. very sad I guess I think the the biggest part was when I got to uni and I was away from home and I was kind of like dealing with hospitals and doctors and the medical side of things on top of my school um, my university work Mm -hmm. and just seeing that in comparison with like my um friends who were also like studying alongside with me and I just got really frustrated that because so for me stress is an is a is a trigger as well so every Mm -hmm. year around exam time without fail I'd be in hospital I would just get really frustrated with myself that I couldn't like handle the stress and I think I internalized that anger um Mm -hmm. rather than like allowing myself grace and you know compassion so it was definitely like a process for me to understand that I needed to help myself um, manage my emotions as well and just kind of look after myself like I was so used to like looking after myself in terms of the physical side of things um, that I didn't know how to look after myself mentally Mm -hmm. so that resulted in a lot of like anger and sadness and anxiety I think that took quite a few years to kind of understand with sickle cell and like coming back to like that education because you were just talking about uni did having sickle cell like impact your career choices and and like the degree that you went to study at uni yeah I I've actually been thinking about this recently because I think so I studied law and Mm -hmm. I struggled with that and so I thought okay maybe I'll just take safer options in terms of careers. Maybe I won't like, you know, apply for like specific roles at specific companies. Maybe I'll, um, you know, do things that I know that I can do without mm-hmm. pushing myself. And I've always kind of liked to challenge myself and push myself, but I really had to think if that was something feasible for me. Yeah. Um, so I think the first part of my career, I definitely like played it safe. And then I started to like resent myself even more because I was like, I wish I could do, you know, XYZ or apply for XYZ mm-hmm. company, but I can't because I have this. This is, you know, and then I think I got to a point maybe in my mid to late 20s where I thought, okay, I just need to um, take a chance on me. I know now how to manage my condition. Um, I've, you know, got a good team of of um, doctors and nurses around me, mm-hmm. and I, I now have the like vocabulary to talk to managers and to kind of like explain to them what's happening without feeling guilty or mm-hmm. anxious that they might be judging me. Um, and I think it wasn't until I got to that point that I thought. I was comfortable enough to then kind of challenge myself career-wise um, and apply for like um, certain companies and firms. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was, a, it was a, a long process. And I think a lot of the times with chronic or conditions or disability, there is like a sort of like mental game that you have to kind of overcome with yourself and I I don't think it's very hard to explain to someone who is not disabled and doesn't understand like oh just you know I think I had a friend saying oh you're just scared just like you know get over your fear but it's so difficult 
<laughs> it's so difficult to um I mean she was a lot nicer than that it wasn't it wasn't as brutal <laughs> as brutal as that but her kind of thinking was like you're scared mm-hmm. recognize that you're scared and just work through it but it's so hard to explain that you know why you're scared and why you're anxious and why you're taking a step back mm-hmm. it is it's so difficult to verbalize it's almost like trying to verbalize internalized ableism and then explaining it as like this is how I feel because the external mm. world has proven this point to me again and again and again and at no point has anybody intervened to stop this but none of you see it because you don't experience it and you don't have to go through it. So it's something that I very much go through by myself, unless your friends are disabled and you can chat to them, which is always great. Love disabled friends. But you don't get that from necessarily like non-disabled friends who who don't understand ableism, don't understand internalized ableism, which is is also such a tricky, like it's such a tricky ground to cross because everybody experiences it at some point. And there are people who claim that they don't or that they're then ne- they never feel that way and that's like I'm, I'm happy for you but at some point it will come and bite you in the butt because it just and it's just how society is which is a horrific thing to say but there are so many systemic problems within our society and ableism is one of them which in and of itself perpet- perpetrates no not the word I want makes anyway it makes internalized ableism a lot worse that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and it's so and it's so hard to explain that to someone who just doesn't understand whatsoever. Yeah, it's yeah, it is really difficult. And I think for me, internalized ableism hasn't necessarily come from anything major, like a mm. major event happening. It's come from like little things that people have said over the years or like yeah. questions or doubts that they've put into your mind. And you don't even realize that it's happening at the time until you're like, oh, I'm thinking of this because I had a manager once who said this in a meeting about whatever and that stayed with you so yeah it's it's hard to explain. It is and I like I wholeheartedly agree with exactly that is that it's not always like a big catalytic event it can just be like those little side comments that someone says and you're and and it sticks with you for whatever reason and like you'll be thinking about something and that memory will pop back into your head and you're like oh that's why this is causing me some panic because somebody has already said something about this particular situation that I'm in. Someone has said something before that was negative and made me feel bad for something that I can't actually change. Like I can't not be disabled and you can't not have sickle cell. (laughs) So here we are. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It is a shame. And I think it's part of the reason why I think it's so important to have, you know, platforms like this and conversations because illness disability are things that people don't necessarily want to talk about and if we are having conversations it's usually you know within your family or like your close Mm -hmm. friends and I think obviously like we need a support system but I I also think it needs to be normalized Mm -hmm. to kind of be you know with a colleague and kind of say oh you know like I'm feeling really fatigued today and it's not like you're not saying it to get sympathy or anything like that but just to have that language normalized so that people are not um you know scared or in a position where they're like making you know comments that are just inappropriate um yeah very very like it's so it's so true and actually I was wondering if we could talk about sickle cell because from my knowledge which granted is very very thin it does impact 
those from black communities in a much different or like a, a different way than it would from someone with a white background. And I was wondering if you could explain like a little bit about that if you if you can. Yeah, so okay. A little uh geography or biology lesson, I guess. <laughs> I actually so... love this. I'm so here <laughs> for this lesson. <laughs> so sickle cell trait is when you just have one like of the gene I guess mm-hmm. um, and you don't have any of the symptoms but it originally kind of came about as a def- the body's defense mechanism against malaria so um, you'll find that people in countries with high rates of malaria tend to have sickle cell trait and sickle cell anemia mm-hmm. so that can be like West Africa which is you know why it's kind of tends to be associated with black people Mm -hmm. um but it's also in the middle east um um in the caribbean in india as well um and the sort of like mediterranean areas um Mm -hmm. there were people there who have sickle cell or thalassemia which is kind of like a related blood disorder it's very similar um and actually we kind of share the same doctors Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, if you look at the medical side of things Um, and so if two people who have sickle cell trait come together and have children then there was a one in four chance that they will have a child with sickle cell anemia Um, and then sickle cell anemia is broken down into sickle cell SS which is the most severe form which Mm -hmm. is what I have and then sickle cell SC which is um, not as severe Um, people don't tend to have as many painful episodes Mm -hmm. and they tend to be live a life that is pain-free so yeah I think there is definitely a lot more people who have sickle cell who are black and Afro-Caribbean but because it's genetic it could technically kind of like impact anyone yeah um so I think there is a misconception I think with doctors and kind of um like going to the hospital that it's just a black disease or just like Mm -hmm. a black condition and I understand where that comes from but I think it can be quite dangerous to kind of categorize a condition that way because medical racism plays a part Mm -hmm. in everything and um yeah it's a whole (laughs) it's a whole topic for discussion but I think that um that's something that I even had to kind of like relearn and understand because I have sickle Mm -hmm. cell and I grew up thinking oh it's a black thing yeah anyone who has sickle cell is black basically so yeah it's definitely um been a learning curve as well I really like what you said about how you yourself it was a learning curve for you because I think quite often disabled people are expected to know the answers immediately and like nine times out of ten we probably do know the answers but there are like that one in ten chance where we don't and we've got to like relearn about our conditions or we've got to relearn about our bodies or we learn from somebody else who might have a similar disability to us and I think there's so much power in being like, do you know what, even I had to learn this and, and I have this disease. Or like, for example, it wasn't until someone told me on this podcast that because I only have three limbs, technically, I will get 33% more tired. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I wish someone mm. had told me that when I was like three, it would have made so much more sense yeah. for my entire life. <laughs> like, 
But, you know, that that learning in your disability is actually a really wonderful thing to have because there are people who don't get to learn about themselves like we do. And, and actually, you know, talking about positives and negatives, maybe that is a massive positive of disability is that we really get to know ourselves a lot, lot quicker and a lot, lot better than like the vast majority of people who don't. Yeah, I like that actually kind of conclusion because I think I think you're right. I think I have had to kind of spend time in my body and like understanding Mm -hmm. my body and listening to my body and knowing what it needs in terms of like rest or water or what type Mm -hmm. of food even it needs um and I think that that to me feels natural now but I I think for maybe other people it might not be um so yeah you you do you're constantly learning and you constantly have to I don't think you can ever kind of know everything about a disability or condition just because you've had it since you were born I think as you grow and evolve and become an, an adult or become a mother or a father or you know whatever roles and responsibilities you take on your body also adapts and changes and so does your disability as well so yeah it's important to constantly just learn <laughs> for sure I like to think that at any any point in time where we've gone through any form of hardship that if we can look back and notice something that we've handled really, really well, then it's we've learned something right. And I was wondering, is there like a particular positive trait that upon reflection you're really proud of? I would say it's being resilient. And mm. I think that has come from just, I don't think I would have survived if I wasn't resilient, which sounds mm. very dramatic. <laughs> but I think it's just a case of like, okay, well, you know, I'm in hospital now, I'm going to be here for a week. Um, And then when I get out, I'm back into my routine, or I'm going back to work, or I'm going back to lectures at university. Like, if I didn't have that thinking and that mindset, Mm -hmm. and I, I'm, because sickle cell pain is so intense that it, it really just makes you want to just give up because you're just like what like what is the point like this is so painful why am I continuing and why am I putting myself and out there to like experience more pain so I think just having that resilience of wanting to keep going and wanting to get up and go again and try again and know that like yeah I'll probably be back here you know back in hospital you know back in pain but um you know the value that I get from like just living my life is so worth it and it's so important Mm -hmm. that I keep doing that so I think uh, that is definitely something that I see as a positive and I think that that's something that I've been able to take into jobs you know if like I'm working on a project and it doesn't go according to plan I'm really not (laughs) like obviously I will get worried or stressed but I don't um like it's not devastating it's not going to end me because oh this thing didn't go well on on this project at work whereas maybe for other people it's their first time dealing with failure the first time dealing with something going wrong Mm -hmm. um and they take it so like it's such a big deal but for me I think well that's life that happens and I've dealt with much worse so I can keep going with this so I definitely say resilience and I think a lot of disabled people have a lot of resilience and um it's something that I I think I struggled to put into words but um yeah it's it's just something that's like ingrained in me now uh yeah and I I completely 
what you said about how disabled people have a lot of resilience, I completely wholeheartedly agree because I think it takes a lot of grit and determination and and almost like, you know, like a real set of balls to 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 carry on surviving in a system that realistically doesn't really want you there, but also like isn't prepared for you. And and when you say why and you know, you make a point about being, you know, well maybe this could change and and the system doesn't want to change that takes like real guts and determination and and like you said to consistently like get back on the horse where you're like do you know what Mm. I'm gonna do it again I know I'm gonna end up here but I'm gonna do it again I'm gonna do it again I'll do it again and and that's that's like the best thing is that we're all very determined people but with that comes the resilience because we know at some point there is going to be like a knockback but I really like what you said about work because I think a lot of people could take that on board and it would maybe just make them like even 2% happier is that, you know, if if your project doesn't necessarily like go to plan, is it the end of the world? Are you like, is this a life and death situation? Probably not. So are you going to be fine? Probably. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is really um, interesting to kind of be in the corporate world and see mm. that and witness that I know the people and then I'm thinking like I understand you know stress and um kind of demands in the corporate world but I think honestly at the end of the day I just think well you know we're here we're healthy we're good um let's keep going and um yeah I I think that resilience is definitely something that is so important um Mm -hmm. when we're working with different people from different backgrounds and different cultures but it's not necessarily a skill that we are born with I think it's something Mm -hmm. that you kind of just develop through failure and that could be through you know health and disability or it could just be through like personal failures um but seeing failures like not a bad thing but just a thing of of growth um and opportunity I think is is really important as well so yeah for sure failure is definitely a feedback mechanism that's how I like to think of it anyway (laughs) (laughs) interestingly that you brought up the corporate world because I was going to go on to ask you what is it like to be a corporate girly and then also a chronic illness girly at the same because sometimes I just don't feel like they mingle that well (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I think it really depends on the company and even the team because Mm-hmm. the team that you're in within the company so I um, previously worked at Deloitte I was there for four years and this was before joining that I kind of worked in like admin and comms roles and social mm-hmm. media roles so um, that was kind of like the turning point for me of working in like a super corporate super like professional place mm-hmm. um, and I went into it I think because I had the experience previously of kind of like talking to managers and explaining to managers um, about my condition, I didn't feel as overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were definitely times where, again, coming back to internalized ableism, I guess, where I was just like, oh, I like, should I just push through this? Like, I feel super mm-hmm. tired. I'm in a bit of pain. Like, my manager's going to be like, I I was thinking these things. No one had like said anything to me, but I was like, yeah. oh, my manager's going to be annoyed. I'm taking time off again. Um, so I think it's it's still um, a, a big issue, especially if you're in an environment that is very like competitive, very high achieving, um, and you find yourself unwell. Mm-hmm. 
it's really hard to kind of navigate those thoughts and feelings, even if your team is like really supportive and has kind of like things in place to help you. Um, So yeah, it's a mix, but I definitely say to, for anyone listening who is in the corporate world, um, I definitely say to kind of, or thinking about entering the corporate world to look for companies and organizations that really value um, inclusion and um, have kind of like processes in place to help people to help their staff with disabilities um, and also if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're trying to explain maybe to a manager or you're asking for reasonable adjustments or whatever the situation is to kind of hold on to the fact that you deserve to ask for those things and you deserve mm-hmm. to be there just as much as anyone else um, and that it's that confidence I think or self-confidence that will really kind of get you far mm-hmm. um yeah but it, it's tough I know <laughs> I know it's tough so yeah but I think that's a really like it's a very honest like portrayal of what it is because I think a lot of disabled people are very put off by going into the corporate world because it is so highly competitive it's you know quick fast paced and and I do understand that because you know, there are certain limitations that people have and, and it's not limitations as in they don't believe that they could do it. It's limitations of their body. And, and that's that's a very different limitation to like limitations of the mind. They're two very, yeah. very different things. And and actually, sometimes it's it's nice to be truthful, to be like, do you know what? Like, it's not always the easiest, but I really enjoy it. And, and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Like, sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it's not as like quick pace and I wish I could do better. But actually, this is what I'm dealing with. And and it is what it is but you've also got to like stand your own ground because you deserve to be there just as much as anybody else does yeah definitely and I think again it's like um if going back to the quick paced nature and competitiveness it's so easy and I think I kind of had this for a while where I kind of got swept up in that and would push myself beyond not my limits but just oh I can work another hour or I can like I I don't need to take a break today like I'm good Mm -hmm. like actually no I can't I can't sacrifice those things because I will pay for them at the end of the day yeah and so it's kind of yeah remembering that and and um also just making your team aware I think communication um is really important and you know understanding how you work best um, mm-hmm. And trying to kind of portray that to your manager or your um, the rest of your team can help make it feel like a collaborative effort rather than it's you against them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I like to think about when we're younger and like looking back on life, is there any piece of advice that would you would give a younger version of yourself? I think in relation to sickle cell, I mean, there's so many things there's, I could say, like, oh, wrap up warm and like drink water. <laughs> um, but in I guess just more so learning, just, yeah, take, take the time to learn and understand yourself and mm. um, be okay with kind of declining things like invitations if you're not feeling well or mm. don't don't feel that you have to push yourself for social settings or for someone else um and I think again that comes with like the guilt side of things mm-hmm. um yeah don't 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 internalize that guilt or feel like you have to kind of like say yes to everything if it's going to impact your health at the end of the day um and I think I would also just kind of offer reassurance that um 
your feelings and your fears around work or relationships or friendships are valid but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still try and I think I definitely was at that stage where I wasn't trying for a long time um and so I would encourage myself to try despite my fears because you never know what's going to happen um but also don't yeah don't push yourself (laughs) yeah but I really like what you said about the guilt because I think that's something that's really a lot of disabled people will be able to relate to is that there is like an inherent sense of guilt when you can't socialize as much or you have to back out of a plan or you've got to take some you time which somehow we as a society have have deemed as being selfish but actually like it's the most selfless thing that you can do is to take a little time for yourself because ultimately you'll feel better for it which means in turn you'll be able to be like a better friend wife husband whatever partner like you'll be able to be a better person if you're able to give yourself that space and and maybe disabled people do need a bit more space but that doesn't mean that you're any less worthy of all of the above things it's what you need and and you've kind of got to be your own champion to take that but also level it out with the guilt the guilt is something that we've been told to feel rather than we should feel Mm. yeah and I think it's so interesting because when guilt comes from other people's reactions to you saying oh I you know can't make it tonight or um, I'm feeling really tired a lot of the times it can make you think oh yeah like they're right Um, I Mm. need to just kind of like pull up or I need to like get on with it but actually maybe those people are not the people that you need in your life and I know that sounds like really harsh but there are certain when we make friends or if you already have had a friend for a long time and then you suddenly become disabled like those relationships will shift um and change and they need to shift and change in order to like um accommodate you but if they're not willing to I think there's something to be said and being able to recognize that and taking a step back and saying okay well this is not what I need um and I'm not you know advocating like cutting everyone off but I just think that <laughs> if you know you're not met with compassion or understanding um, then that's a serious thing and you are entitled to receive and ask for compassion and understanding from your friends or your family and even your colleagues as well. Yeah talking about asking questions do you ever get any weird questions regarding sickle cell like or is there like a set of questions that quite often come up when you tell when you talk about sickle cell and you're like oh my god like this question again or or one that you've got like a really witty retort to um I think because people don't tend to know what it is or understand it um the questions are not as like wild um (laughs) (laughs) so I think yeah I don't I'm trying to just think maybe when I was younger um maybe um there was a bit of like misunderstanding from teachers or parents Mm -hmm. of like uh, students at my school but as an adult I can't really think of any sort of like questions per se I think a lot of the times it comes down to like oh you should eat this or oh you should um you know look into this or like kind of like have you tried yoga yeah exactly kind of like things that people advise that are maybe well-meaning but not very um you know they don't understand what 
what it is to have I guess like sickle cell or a genetic condition mm-hmm. um but I think there's a lot of things online actually that I've seen around sickle cell um I don't know if you know who this person is but he's called Dr. Sabi who is like a he's supposed to be like a doctor but he's not really a doctor but he like a f- few years ago was like oh um if you have sickle cell you just need to have like eat an alkaline only diet and so I see a lot of stuff like that online yeah it's just so <laughs> inherently just, problematic yeah there's so many things wrong with it and people like see like will share that willingly mm. and uh without knowing the science behind it and mm. I think yeah misinformation is 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 uh such a big problem and then you see things like that and you're like oh maybe I should like if you if you don't know maybe I should try it and then you maybe cause other problems and complications for yourself further down the line so yeah I'd I'd say not necessarily like stupid questions but more advice and comments around my diet Mm -hmm. um which yeah I just ignore to be honest (laughs) I also just really want to caveat the point that you made about like internet doctors is that unless they have like an actual doctorate degree and it's a good one from like a reputable university and it's in science, don't listen. Like if it's not any of that, then they're not worth your time effort listening to because quite often it's just absolute rubbish. Yeah, exactly. It's really annoying. You go, no, you go, you go. Um, No, I was just going to say it's really annoying and frustrating though because I I understand the desperation of wanting like oh there's there must be something you know mm-hmm. um and I think a lot of those so-called doctors kind of prey off that and may you know maybe for yeah. one person somewhere an alkaline diet worked but that's not you know a thing that you can kind of just tell everyone to do yeah so yeah <laughs> it is it is honestly the internet absolutely amazing but also at the same time the absolute devil so yeah like make sure you keep your wits about you on the line <laughs> exactly <laughs> I have one final question for you Sadia and that is are you disabled and proud yes I am disabled and proud <laughs> I think it's definitely a, a journey mm-hmm. um especially if you've had a disability all your life but society and the way society is set up will make you feel like you shouldn't be proud of it but like we were talking about earlier resilience is definitely something that you learn from it and um yeah that's something that I'm proud of so yes I am disabled and I am proud (laughs) thank you so much for coming on today I have honestly I've learned a lot about sickle cell and I've also like I really enjoyed what's been said regarding the corporate world and how we view online doctors and just how we have the resilience in ourselves. I think everything that's been mentioned today is actually so important for so many people. So thank you so much for coming on and spreading your message. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.